listening to The Unlabeling Effect. We gather here every other week to explore all things mental health. Let us be part of your support system to inspire and motivate you to take care of your well-being. We, Vivian, Risha, and myself, Melody, welcome you to our UE community. We are beyond excited to start our season six. We have different valuable guests on the Unlabeling Effect to share their stories on mental wellness and tips to be more self-aware and emotional literate. In our first episode, we're so glad to have Jian, the co-founder of a creative marketing agency, Lexi Media. She is also the founder of Calmed & Co, the first Hong Kong brand to sell supplement patches to promote better health, sleep, and mood. Last but not least, Jian also has her own podcast channel, Calmed Club. We are so glad to have met Jian in different occasions via Women of Hong Kong, where professional and aspiring women come together to network and empower each other. I'm your host, Vivian, and with me today are Jian, Mel, and Rita. Hi, Jian. How are you? Thank you for the introduction. Recently, I have a quite exciting news, I would say. In April, it's going to be my marketing company, Lexi Media's anniversary. And I've decided that we should host a party, partnering up with Inspiring Girls Charity. And we just got a free venue sponsor that it's over 5,000 square feet. Definitely exciting. It's going to be on May 6th. What about the Cantonese podcast that you have? Calmed podcast. Uh, for that, I just share live updates because mm. there are always exciting events in my life, and I also share how I have a positive mindset from depression. So it's basically how I started my companies and how my life has been. That's wonderful. Like I remember the first time I physically met Jian. She was having such a bright, beautiful smile, and you were mm-hmm. like so bubbly. You wouldn't even think like depression story that you put behind you. Looking forward to know more today. Can I rewind a little bit to understand a bit more um, with your depression? Like when did it start and how did it develop along the time? It started when I was in Form 5. I decided to repeat because I was being bullied. I thought the younger generation would be more acceptance. In a way, they actually did take care of me a lot of the times. But they also already have their own little groups because they were growing up together for 10 years. Because we mm-hmm. came from the same primary school and then to the same high school so they're friends for so long I'm mm-hmm. like a stranger suddenly pop in so they did mm-hmm. take care of me a lot of times but whenever it comes to lunch or recess they already have their small little groups and it's quite difficult for me to suddenly go into this group or that group even if I try to do so of course they would be ah sure just come along but it's not going to be an everyday thing. It's just going to be that day, this group say yes. I remember one time everyone just went out. My lunch buddy, they had a celebration with their own group. I was thinking, okay, where should I go? Because if I go out, the girls that bullied me are still in this school. The younger ones, the lower grades, they all know who I was because I was dating the girls in the school. So I was kind of popular. I don't want to be seen alone. So I remember at that time, I chose to just have lunch inside the toilet. There was a period in my high school where I just keep hiding in the bathroom, where I just keep climbing into the windows back into the classroom so I could eat there because normally we lock the classroom and everyone has to go out. We can't stay in the classroom during lunch. I didn't know that this would affect me so much emotionally, but of course, I feel so sad. I didn't know what is depression back then, but I was just not happy. And one day at school, I fainted 
it was because of my thyroid issues. But at the same time, I was just not happy at that time. I couldn't sleep at all at night. I was too exhausted. I didn't take care of my body at all. The first thing I opened my eyes, I was already in like the emergency room. People were trying to wake me up with the machines. And the doctor saw that he asked me questions like, do you know your name? Do you know where you are? And after I answered those questions, I was immediately telling the doctor, can you not tell my parents that I'm here? I don't want to be scolded. After all the checking up, when I'm about to leave the hospital, he told me something that I still remember this day. It was 10 years ago, he said, you're a very special kid because I've never heard someone not looking for their parents once they open their eyes. And he said, the ones that rush to the hospital, it's your parents. They are the one who care the most in this world. Now, every time I talk about this incident, I hear it up. I know that, okay, family, they love me no matter what. I also figured I had depression because my doctor referred me to a psychiatrist. I think he noticed that I was a little off. The psychiatrist told me this is depression symptoms, this is anxiety symptoms, and he gave me medicine. That's how the journey started. That's how I realized, oh, this is called depression. Did you actually take the medication? At that time, I remember I went to see the psychiatrist with my mom. She didn't comment much. She was quite worried and keep asking the doctor, oh, so what is this? So what's going to happen? What's the worst case? So she's trying to understand more about this. But once we Mm. went back home with the meds, My dad, he was quite angry at my mom. Why are you bringing our daughter to see this guy? Our daughter is normal and she doesn't need this medicine. This medicine are for crazy people. As a teenager, of course, I would listen to my parents. So I just ignored this. At that time, I still didn't think that there is anything wrong because I thought everyone is sad. So I feel like this is normal, like being sad is normal. So I just neglected depression for 10 years. How did you start to get in tune to your softer side? Because now I feel like I see a very balanced GM. Like I know that you can be a boss woman and then you can also be soft, make people feel good. When did you start tuning into the balance of the energy? Thanks to my partner, my boyfriend. I met him three years ago on Tinder. At that time when I met him, he thought that, oh, this girl, she's so special because uh, she had a confidence where it came out from nowhere. Like she is just so sassy or blunt towards him. So there are a lot of different things that probably attracted him into getting to know more about me. Sure, he understand all the things that I've been through, my teenage depression and my family issues. He had the big heart to just accept everything, accept that I would Mm. suddenly be so angry or emotional. After a year that we dated, he started telling me that he is not happy with me is a big problem to me because whenever I am with him, I feel that I am happy. So I didn't know like, oh, you actually, you are unhappy. He has just been compromising to whatever needs that I need. If I need someone to be next to me 24-7, he would. If I need someone to talk to, he could just talk to me for hours. But he was neglecting his own needs as well. I didn't do anything to 
comfort him or I didn't show any love and care. I was just receiving. I keep receiving. And I didn't know that this is a very imbalanced relationship. And I wanted to fix this because I need him to be happy with me. And I realized Mm -hmm. that it starts internally because I am not happy. That's why he is not truly happy with me because he keeps feeding me energy and then he's exhausted. So I start to look internally, what's wrong? Why am I always sad? What am I afraid of? And I just start to face all the fears, the fears of talking to my parents, the fear of talking to some toxic friends that I detoxed, the fear of everything. I try to face my life. I just started to talk to healers. I started to look for ways, accept medications, what else can help. I actually went Mm -hmm. to therapy session. It didn't quite help me. I switched a few therapists. I think Vivian, you definitely have the same story because it's like dating. (laughs) Yeah, it's like dating. The finding of right therapists is so difficult. When I start to reach out for help, I notice that there are so many things that can help. I just have to try. Yoga helped me a lot. Meditation helps Mm -hmm. me a lot. Journaling helps me a lot. I got a license, yoga teacher license recently. I have a little question. You said when your boyfriend first met you, you were very confident and you had your own way of doing things, right? Was yeah. that like, can you describe what character or what was Jian like back then when you first met your boyfriend? What were the bold characters that made you so different to other people? And where was that confident from? Considering your background had always been you as a person that would be, I guess, on a fight or flight mode. So was that confident or that Jian was just an outlook to protect yourself? What was it like? A very good question. So I would say the confident is just a facade because I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to get questioned by anyone. I wanted to scare people off so they don't come close. Whenever people approach me or ask me quite personal questions, I would just joke it off or I would say, what? What do you want? Something like that. So it's it's a very daring personality that not everyone would like because I'm always challenging people. It's interesting because you said that you've always constantly felt lonely and you would really like people to be next to you. But at the same time, your behavior, telling them the other thing, I resonate with your story in a way that I became a people pleaser because I want to belong. And I kind of fit myself into different groups, their five, their energy, even their conversation or styles. But then for you, you believe that the shield that you put on is going to protect you like what was the mental struggle there I was always the conversation of someone like I was being posted on a very popular Hong Kong forum and then at school people would bully me in a way not throwing things towards me but they would say things that make me uneasy we already were on Instagram and I remember they're specifically using a hashtag to talk about me uh, making fun of my name Um, at that time of course I cared a lot because social media it's everything when I was a teenager mm-hmm. I need to be very careful of how I act or I present myself towards everyone if I don't show up strong people will just see my weakness so that's why everyone who knew me the first impression would be I'm very blunt very sassy I guess that's what I thought would help I love how you put it because with all the constant online attack you just need the shield 
to protect yourself. Jan, I'm interested to know like how you see sadness now because you experience such strong intensity of sadness and that's why you just think it's normal. Now, whenever mm-hmm. I feel like I'm not in my best self, I was just try to go back, rewind and see, okay, what happened this week? Are there anything mm-hmm. that specifically might trigger to why am I feeling weird. Two weeks ago, after I came back from a family trip, I got a really bad flu and I stayed at home for three days. After I recovered a little bit, I feel a little empty, a little unmotivated. I asked my boyfriend, do you see what's happening? He just told me, I think there are just too many emotions going on. It's a very special trip for you and your family. I miss them. I just simply miss being with them because I've moved out for one and a half year. And this is the first time that we actually spent nights together as a family. And the dynamic is so different. I feel like it's whenever you have gone through like a very overwhelming, full on period or events, whenever you start to slow down, I also feel that emptiness or that loneliness. I think it's like being a lot softer and kind to yourself. You're still trying to understand, whoa, I felt so great. It's almost like unbelievable that your family and your boyfriend and you can have such a like a beautiful trip together. It's the first time, right? And that's yeah. why it's just like so exciting for you. But then maybe part of you was still like in shock. Yeah, definitely. Whether you have done like all these kind of shadow work yourself, how did that might have, you know, contribute to the difference in the family dynamic now? Like, have you done something to kind of amend or rekindle that kind of relationship? This trip, I started uh, talking more to my brother. His personality is very different from mine. Very introvert. He doesn't like to show show. He doesn't like to go out. And I remember when we were young, I was kind of mad at him for years because he didn't stand up for me in front of my dad. At that time, I just didn't understand why. But of course, now I know that he was also frightened. He also didn't know how to react. In that family trip, I remember we had a moment where me, my boyfriend and my brother, three of us without our parents, and then we just talked at the balcony. We were looking at the stars. It was a dreamy night. I told him like, oh, how I started the business. I think he's quite proud and we had a like little tear moment. We we're quite touched by how we both grew up so well now. He actually was saying that, oh, I don't want to go. I don't want to go again. And I keep asking him why. He finally told me when we were in the trip before in family traveling, either my dad or me would get mad. It's just sad having a family trip that we always argue. That's why he didn't want to go at all. But this trip is so different because he feels that dad is different and I am different. We're just very harmonized. My brother said, I wish we could stay longer from he told me he didn't want to go at all so I believe my change definitely changed my brother yeah Mel's crying (laughs) (laughs) very happy for you and this is happy tears for you yeah I'm having happy (laughs) tears as well Because I resonate with your story as well. Like I was being rebellious for a period of my childhood and my sister would used to have my back. She would um, protect me from my parents, but she would always, after each event of her protecting me, she would be so mad at me. And to a point, she wanted to give up on me. And I think like your story reminded me of like how 
your brother always had your back, but he didn't know how to react, right? Because he was also scared. Um, and to a point where he was numb, or he associated that a family trip equals to arguments and sadness. He actually realized it's no longer like that. I'm just happy that you know, a family. Um, that had a we get like, together it's a miracle because yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's like everybody like lifetime attachment or trauma is just like being brought together the main issue here is that everyone is going through a different time your brother has his own story your dad has his own story your mother is trying to get the family together you are trying to tell the family that you have changed you're trying to make this trip a different trip like you work so hard for it and you also enjoy introduce your boyfriend to this trip I think everyone was on a very different mental path and it happened that it all worked it's like a very big achievement and it's a very productive trip (laughs) it is I want to touch on your social media marketing agency Lexi Media from what you've experienced to really tapping into understanding it and then turn into what you do every day now and giving people suggestions and advice and strategy. It's a very interesting turning point. I think it has to start with why am I so into social media? I've looked back to my archives and I figured I've been using Instagram for 12 years. My page was initially a meme page. I would share a lot of different memes every day. It's not selfie. In my high school period, I started to turn it into a page where I share my uh, crafty case. Actually, the first business I think I started when I was in high school. So I was using the page to sell my case to my high school Uh friends. And at that time, I knew that it's powerful because I could actually make money from Instagram. It became an influencer profile when I entered university. Totally different vibe. I was holding different products and promoting different things simply because of money. Graduated from university, I entered a new workplace. I had a very toxic colleague. She was sending my posts to her friends and just talking about how I was dressing up. I was judging myself as well. Am I not good enough or am I not fit enough? Judge myself and I archive everything. I don't like this influencer persona. I feel like it's fake because I would promote this shampoo this week. Next week, I would promote another shampoo. And I was like, who is this girl, GN? Keep on accepting different products. So non-genuine. I hated that side of me. And I tell myself, I will never promote any product just because of money. And I started to think, I have this bunch of followers. They have been following me since I was, I don't know how many years back then. I wanted to show them the real me. And then I started to turn this page into like a personal branding page. It's really about me and my work. I understand the power of how you can tell a story from social media simply by posting images. It's just me. (laughs) I observed that you have a very healthy relationship with social media. You know, like it's very addictive. It's like dopamine, dopamine. So what advice would you give to people who want to make the best use of social media, but yet not go overboard? I really limit myself. Mm -hmm. Stories or reels are even more addictive. If I'm not either like posting or catching up on my friends, I won't suddenly go on Instagram and go on search and just look for new things. I don't do that. That's a good way of setting like boundaries rules for yourself because for me I have that problem too it's almost like an autopilot behavior whenever you're free whenever you have a moment 
if you click onto that app, you would just constantly scroll and then you realize, oh my God, an hour of my time had been wasted. I could have done half an hour of a workout. I could have showered. I could have had a face mask. And I was like, what did I just do? And then I would feel guilty about it. So I have set like a time limit, but I realized that sometimes I would still ignore the time limit and say, allow for another 15 minutes. And I was like, this is not okay. Like it's not okay. So I think it's a good little boundary that I might learn from you. I need, I need to set my intention right using social media. If I decided to click onto that button, I need to know that I'm only looking for certain updates and then buy. It's difficult. It's really difficult. And um, I would say after I have my agency that I have to keep on creating content for my clients, it stopped me from using Instagram so much because I'm already contributing so many of my time on Instagram. Yeah, I remember one time I deleted the entire app and then throughout the day just constantly find myself trying to search for Instagram and then it was like nothing pops up I was like oh my goodness this is a subconscious thing so the one thing that Rita told me before she left Hong Kong was to remove it from my homepage I was like I did not know that you can do that so now whenever I need to use Instagram I have to search for it because it became like a mindless thing when it became a habit so you like adding hurdle and barrier that may bring your consciousness to it I became conscious of why I would do that though I knew it was because every time when I use social media it's when I was tired I didn't want to use my brain mm. when I know I have no brain power that's when I would go onto it and then just scroll because it's feeding you content that you don't need to mm. use your brain yeah so Jian one last question before we wrap up is that what's the one societal label that you want to unlabel here on the unlabeling effect. Okay, so um, I wanted to say that depression is just human being with unmet needs. We've mm. just been feeding ourselves with all the physical needs, food or water or shelter, but we neglected that we also have psychological needs. Mm. Depression is not crazy, definitely. Yeah. And I think the longer you experience that, the harder it is to get out if you don't have external support. One main point that I want to reiterate what Jian mentioned is to find the way that worked for you. Because even though therapy is the most straightforward way, but there are also many other ways to heal. To find that energy to, to try different things, I think that is also very helpful. Getting to know Gian's story has reminded me so much of how many people are having a tough time trying their best to put up a shield they think will protect them. It reminds me yet again to be more kind and aware of my automatic judgments towards people's behavior, which echoes to our purpose of the season, mental health stories, when sharing is really caring. If you want to connect with Gian and see her warm, beautiful smile like we talked about, find her on Instagram at Gian with a U. That is G-U-A-N-N-E. G-U-A-N-N-E. Thanks for tuning in. Join us again next time when we talk about grief with Jessica Halton. Thank you for tuning in and let's continue the conversation on Instagram at Unlabeling Effect. Please subscribe to our podcast on Spotify and iTunes and give us a rating. Until then, dare to feel, dare to be real.